Okay, this morning, uh, I'm going to be, we're going to be in the book of Genesis. <clears throat> but before that, I just shared a little bit yesterday. There's two very important things, and they're brought out again in 2 Peter chapter 1, in verse 19 to 21. Though that right there speaks of, number one, their position in Christ, their foundation, the foundational truth about the person of Christ and the accomplishment of his work uh, to his Father and for each and every one of us, and, and that would be whosoever would. The second thing that's extremely important, especially now in the times that we are in, is to understand prophecy. And they're very, very important. And they go hand in hand, as a matter of fact. Because when Christ and his person, his person has accomplished all prophecy. There's not a single prophecy right now for Christ to, to fulfill other than to come back to rapture his church, and then we come back with him, and then he'll set up, he'll deal with the enemy, and then set up his, his kingdom on the earth. Those things are very, very important. And, you know, and, and I've said, I've seen at, at times, you know, some people, uh, Christians that I've known for, some of them for 40 years, how they get into a political battle over what's happening in our country. And we, would just, we just want to make it crystal clear through the word that it's not political. It's not even our battle. Again, in Exodus 14 and verse 14, and in 1 Samuel 17, verse 47, and countless other scriptures, the battle is the Lord's, not ours. The battle is the Lord's. Even in our wrestling, in Ephesians 6, verse 12, our wrestling is not against flesh and blood. And we said it this way yesterday. The original has, in Ephesians 6, 12, blood and flesh. Our battle is not against blood and flesh. The reason it's blood first is because the life of the flesh, in Leviticus 17 and verse 11, is in the blood. And then that nature is carried on and manifested through the flesh. And our battle is not that. I see precious Christians, precious friends, that I, I love deeply, and they get into this political battle. When the fact of the matter is, in Deuteronomy 32 and verse 4, okay, his plan is perfect. Perfect means it's complete and settled. His way is perfect in Psalm 18 and verse 30. His way is perfect because it's been completed in Christ, who is his way, in John 14, 6. So, these things were completed in the eternal mind of God before time ever was. But yet, time is the manifestation. Because when we talk about time, the bookends of time are, is eternity. And that's why the time is short in 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine. That's why we say, yes, we need to lay the foundation. And again, laying the foundation for a decade or so in certain areas, about positional truth. We've done that. It's just that there's been a battle against it, trying to lay that foundation and, and laying it about the reality of the truth about what we have in Christ. But, but that's why, again, prophecy is so important because the time is short right now. It's shortened than it's ever been before in 1 Corinthians 7, verse 29. 
The beginning of sorrows goes into that, and that's the 24th chapter of Matthew. If you read those first few chapters, then, of course, that's a precursor to everything that's going to be happening happening to Israel, to Israel. But that's a, that is still future. But right now, there are signs that point to the second advent. Again, the only thing that has to happen first is the rapture of the church. Again, a doctrine, a teaching in the scriptures that is completely going against by the prince and power of the air. And, and not making a difference between Judaism and Christianity. They're two diametrically opposed things that are brought out in the scriptures. So, 1 Corinthians 7.29, the time is shortened. That's what it really says in the original. And that's why in Ephesians 5.16, we need to redeem the time. Now, when it says to redeem the time, listen to what it's saying. And this is, it's brought out because long before we get to Ephesians 5.16, we should already know and experience positional truth in the first three chapters of Ephesians. Then it gets into corporate, how it's to be taught in the fourth chapter. Then it gets into the fifth chapter, relationships. Then... It's 516 to redeem the time. Well, how do we know what time we're in? And listen, we are in Christ. That's our position. Beautiful. We, we are in Christ right now. But how do we determine the time that we're in if we don't understand prophecy? If we don't understand the prophetic calendar? If we don't understand that? There's no time like the present to know those things, more importantly than where we are right now. And that's again, 2 Peter chapter 1, 19 to 21. We have a more sure word of prophecy. And that sure word is who we are in Christ. But should we know prophecy? Okay, and when should we know it? And is it important? Listen, and we said it yesterday. What is God's timepiece on the earth? It is the nation of Israel because they're his earthly people. We are not earthly people. We're a heavenly people. We're, Jesus was in the world, but he wasn't of it. That's the system. He was on the earth, first advent in Luke 135. But he was never a part of that world system. Neither are you and I. So what makes us think it's a political issue that we have to get involved with in battle? I mean, Isaiah 46, verse 10, he declared the end from the beginning. It's over for you and I in Christ. It's over. It's not our battle. We're not wrestling against blood and flesh. We're not. Okay. Furthermore, all those evil powers that are having their time right now, listen, in their hour compared to eternity in Luke 22 and verse 53, it's the hour of power of darkness. But has that already been dealt with by Christ in John 17 and verse 1? Where's the battle then for the Christian? Acts 15, 18, not unto God are all his works. Listen, from the beginning. Okay? Time, it's just a revelation of it. A working out. And, and our great opportunity that we have as believers in Christ, kept safe. Okay? Kept safe. The type of the ark in Noah's day. Here we are in Christ. 
Judgment's coming, but we're safe in him. And who's going to deal? Who's, who's already dealt with the enemy? Satan and all his forces. Who's already dealt with it? Read Hebrews chapter 2, verses 9 to 18. They're dealt with. Listen, the enemy has been stripped of his power. He only operates through lies in Ephesians 6, 11, through wiles. His methodia, his system is, in Revelation 12, 9, to deceive the world. So why should Christians get in the world and think that they have to battle? Well, it's because they're deceived. They don't know. And thank God, none of us know anything like we ought to know, but thank God we do know those things that are ours in Christ. We are kept safe, and nothing can change the plan of God in Acts 5.39. If it be of God, you can't stop it, lest you be found fighting against God. I don't know, has God ever lost a battle? Has he, listen, has he ever not been in control of everything? Never. That's why Jesus said this. Now, when we look at Isaiah 46, verse 10, and when we look at Acts 15, verse 18, we have to take into account Revelations chapter 1, 8, 11, and 17. Jesus said of himself, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. I am. The I am. <laughs> We're in the I am. Okay? Our beginning and end is dealt with. Gosh, it's so awesome. This is where we are. We're safe. We're secure. And there's no battle. Listen, whatever happened, Christians, and I love them, but listen, whatever happened to Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. You know what happens when we function outside the reality of a love that's completed everything about us in 1 John 4, 18? We get into a battle. And you know, the only way we can get into that battle is our flesh against flesh. And by the way, the flesh that's in us in Romans 8, 9 that we are not of is no better than the evil flesh of those that are in power right now in our country. Just want to make it crystal clear. Listen, we are no better than any, the most wicked, evil person that ever walked the face of the earth. But we are better off in him. Because he, he listen, you know, Christians, listen, listen, here, here, here we shared this yesterday. Here, listen, Christians, and I want to say lovingly to all of us, and do I need to be reminded of this constantly? yes. Constantly, I need to be reminded of it. But how, what about Colossians 3, verse 1? If you then be risen with Christ, if there is a first-class fulfilled condition, meaning since, okay? Since then, you are already risen with Christ. Okay, tell me one thing that Christ is, that he hasn't accomplished and that he's not above. And tell me one thing that we're not above in him. If you then be risen with Christ, listen, Christians, Christians, me, including all of us, seek those things which are above. Listen, where Christ sits, <laughs> finished, battle's over, just being manifested in time, where he sits on the right hand of God. That's our position in Christ. 
Is it our experience? I'm going to tell you, this is how we experience the reality and measure of our position is this. Verse 2, set your mind, your whole thinking, every single thought. Set your mind on things above. Hey, Christians, not on things of the earth. Because, ah, listen, everything about us in Christ as a heavenly people is finished. We're not products of the earth. We're not products of time. We're products of eternity. But he's preparing the earth to deal with Israel's enemies and to deal with them. This is prophecy. And when I don't understand that, do I function properly in my position in Christ in my experience? Do I? No. This is what makes it so very vital for us. Because listen... Again, we said before, whenever you hear the voice, oh, this is too much, it's too deep, you know that's the lying voice of the enemy. Christ gave us this whole Bible. That's right. Okay? Listen, this whole Bible is the Word of God, and the last time I checked in John 1, 1, Christ is the Word of God. In Him, all prophecy is fulfilled. Listen, and we're in him. Do we understand it and even know it? Here. Set your mind on things above. Christians, not on things of the earth. Listen, for you are dead. That's what the King James says. You know what the Greek says? You died. <laughs> that old, that flesh that wants to get into a battle and think that somehow we have to help God out to help our country. Seriously. Serious? Are you serious? Serious? What part in prophecy did we have? What part in dealing with our crucifying our old nature in Romans the sixth chapter in those first 12 verses? What part did we have? Furthermore, what part did we have when Christ was on the cross? I'll tell you, our sins were there. Period. And they were dealt with. Oh, God. It's, it's, it makes me happy. Yes. <laughs> Okay, here it is. For you died, listen, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, when Christ, who is as italicized in my King James translation, I just crossed it out. You know why? Because this is a reality. When Christ, our life, it's an emphatic statement. When Christ, our life, listen, I am not trying to live the Christian life. Christ is my life. And in that life, there's fellowship. And if it's anything else, it's of the flesh. That is crystal clear in the scriptures. Listen, and I need to listen too, by the way, when I say that. I'm listening with everybody. Thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness and your unbelievable grace and unconditional love. For you died and your life is hid with Christ and God. When Christ, our life will appear. Listen, does that have anything to do with prophecy? Yes. Has everything to do with it. God, listen, the preaching and teaching of the word is God, through the Holy Spirit, taking the things of Christ and putting sense into the heads of those that he loves that are in Christ. Otherwise, we function in nonsense. And by the way, nonsense is evil. That's what it is. Nonsense is evil. And when I function in the flesh, tell me, what am I functioning in? Evil. 
<laughs> There's nothing good in the flesh. That's John 6, 63. It is the Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, that imparts life. The flesh profits no, no thing. Listen to that. No thing, nothing, nothing is no thing. But the words that I speak to you, their spirit, Holy Spirit, and their life, Christ. That's a, that's a beautiful picture of John 16, 13, and 14. Why do you suppose we give the scriptures like this? Because I don't know how else we're going to get sense into our heads without these scriptures. How else are we going to do it? We, as in receiving, by the way, when Christ, our life, will appear. Oh, my God, we're so close. Because all those signs, the signs of the times, those, uh, those sorrows that are a precursor to the second advent is the rapture. But listen, when Christ is our life will appear, listen, this is how close we are. Then you and I will appear with him in glory. That's the rapture, folks. That's the rapture. That's the rapture. There's two advents, and advent simply means when Christ's feet, when he was on the earth, first in, in, in the 14-year-old virgin, Mary, in Luke 135, where, he put, where, where the word of God, who always is, became flesh in John 1:14 and dwelt among us. Okay, that's first advent. Second advent goes into, oh, listen, all kinds of prophecy. In a nutshell, not really, but in Zechariah, the 14th chapter, 1 through 4, that's when he comes back. His feet land on the Mount of Olives. Great earthquake. Okay? And we come back with him. So when you read Zechariah 14, 1 to 4, now you're in Revelations, the 19th chapter. Now you can understand it. But if you don't have the preponderance of those scriptures and you don't understand prophecy, will it affect your experience in your position in Christ? It most certainly will. And that's a huge missing thing in Christians. It is. And by the way, none of us know it like we ought to, but boy, should we start. So when we're going to appear with him in glory. Listen, that plan has been, listen, that plan has been dealt with. Okay? We are more than conquerors. Is there anything left for you and I that outside of Christ we can conquer? Nothing. But in him, in his love, has he conquered everything? Yes. Whose fight is it? Whose battle is it? Yeah, you're going to get it. Listen, you think you're wrestling against those political powers? You know what? It's Satan. And you and your flesh are going to face them apart from Christ. Yeah. And tell me you won't be irritated, frustrated, and, and have no peace. We have peace in Ephesians 2.14. We have peace because Christ is our peace. He established it through the blood of his cross. Notice it's the blood of his cross as much as some want to take that away. Okay. His blood was, was far different than Adam's blood. And it's brought out clearly in the scriptures. He had a human nature. It didn't have a sin nature. Okay, but it was one in Colossians 1.20, the peace of ours through the blood of his cross. Okay, and that's why that blood in 1 John 1.7 has to do with everything about our character. Our character there is not our conduct. Our character is light. Okay, that light is Christ. 
But that blood is a continual cleansing for all eternity, by the way. Because whatsoever God does in Ecclesiastes 3.14, he does forever. So, in positional truth, in positional truth, here we go. We're going to talk about positional truth a little bit this morning. And here it is. Listen, has man's day, man's day, where is his day? And where is his eternity worked out? It's in time on this earth. Is it any wonder Christ had to enter? <laughs> is it any wonder why he had to put on humanity? Because what kind of a day would we have without him? What would our hours be like? And by the way, we can know, we can know. And again, this is Matthew, the 24th chapter. This is Matthew 24. And we can see this very clearly in the scriptures. Matthew 24, the beginning of sorrows. Are we in the beginning of sorrows? Yeah. Beginning of sorrows. But when you look at Matthew 24... In verse 44, it says, Therefore, be you ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man comes. Now, this is referring, honestly, to the Jewish people. That's referring to them when their Messiah will come back in the second advent. But isn't it just as true? Isn't it just as true for us as his church? Wouldn't it be? Well, look what it says. This should be our view. Our view is Colossians 3, 2. It's going to be brought out in Titus chapter 2, verse 11. Look at it through, through 15. Listen. For the grace of God that brings salvation. Is that Christ? Yes. That appears, that is manifested to all men. What? Teaching us that denying ungodliness. Now, let me tell you this. To get into a political battle and battle against flesh, is that ungodly? Yeah, it most assuredly is. And if it's ungodly, is there any profit in it? Nope. There's none. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, somehow in this battle, that God needs me to battle this so I can make things happen in this country when it's already predetermined. It's just a lust pattern, by the way. Worldly lust, listen, we should live soberly. Thinking, soberly means thinking with godly sense in our heads. Live soberly, and as a result, righteously and godly in this present world system. Look, now, here's our position. Instead of looking at that political stuff, looking at evil and trying to fight and deal with it, look what it says, looking for that blessed hope. That blessed hope in Colossians 1.27 is Christ in us, the hope of glory, and hope there is not the English. Jesus, it may or may not be. It's settled. It's a guarantee. We have every guarantee met in Christ, and then some. <laughs> Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of that great God, the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, when it says great God, it's not separated from our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's talking about him. Our great God is Jesus Christ himself. Look what it says. Who gave himself, what? For us. And if God be for us, in Romans 8, 31, who can be against us? 
Read, read Romans the eighth chapter, those 39 verses. Is it our battle in those things from 31 to 39? Are we more than conqueror in and through him, through all those things that are already dealt with in him? Here it is. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a very particular intimate people that are zealous of his good works that are brought out in Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10. Listen, we're not doing good works here by fighting, by thinking we need to fight and get into a battle with these evil powers. That's not it. We're functioning in the good works that Christ is and has settled for each and every one of us individually in Ephesians 2.10. So that's why it says looking for that blessed hope. And what that means for us is Hebrews 12.1 and 2. Lay aside every weight. Well, I think I got a battle. Lay it aside. Lay aside every weight. Because if you don't, it's going to lead to sin. It's, there's no irritation in grace. There's no irritation in his love for us that settled everything. We're complete in him. As simple as that. And when I don't function experientially in the love that placed me in my position, I will get irritated with something you could be sure of it and think, now I have to do something about it. Who gave himself for us. So looking in Titus 2.13 for that blessed hope is this. Lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily entangle you and trip you up in the race. I see a lot of Christians, they're tripped up politically. They are so mad. What are you mad at? You're mad at something that Christ hasn't accomplished? You forget he finished the work in John 19.30? That he declared the end from the beginning? That he is himself the end in the beginning? What are you upset about? Great peace have they that love your law, your word, and nothing will cause you to stumble in Psalm 119, 165. Listen, who gave himself for us, but looking for that blessed hope is Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Here it is. Here it is. And let's read it. Looking for that blessed hope is Hebrews 12. Wherefore, wherefore seeing, do we? Are we seeing it properly? Well, wherefore seeing is, listen, is saying, look at Hebrews, the 11th chapter. Okay? The hero is Christ himself. That's who the hero is. The hero, well, they call it the hero's hall of fame. That's Christ himself. <laughs> okay? It's his fame. <laughs> but look at, were they overcomers in everything? Not out of it, but in and through it. Okay, that's our evidence, by the way. And, and, and I don't believe in the crystal sea and they look down and all that. That's not scriptural, okay? It just isn't. That's okay, but it's not scriptural, okay? The witnesses are, read it right here, the word. The best evidence that we have in Hebrews 11.1. 1. And our faith is founded on not a leap in the dark. That's not teaching biblical faith. Our faith is on the most solid, certain facts that Christ in his person and his work has already, past tense, accomplished. That's the facts. Wherefore, seeing, we, we are all compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. What a testimony. A witness has a great testimony. What was their testimony? Were they defeated? 
Did the enemy have his way no matter what? Nope. No serene. That's a Greek word I just made up. We are compassed about. We are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses. Because of that, let's lay aside every weight. He's the burden bearer in 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your anxious burdens on him. Why? He cares for you in the accomplishment of his person and work. Because if you don't, the enemy, and he's doing that with Christians today politically. By the way, listen, I did what I could. I voted for who I was, and that's it. You trust God. I don't know. Are we going to trust him for the final outcome? I don't know about you, but what is the final outcome? Like this woman used to say, I looked in the back of the book, the book. I looked in the back of the book, and we're more than conquerors. To, the, to Revelations, this woman used to sing this back in Lennox. I looked in the book, and we were, we were more than conquerors. It's finished. Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses and testimonies, because of that, you know, let's lay aside every weight. And because if we don't, it'll be a sin. It'll be a sin that so easily entangles us so that we don't run with patience the race that is set before us. Because this is what we need to do. Looking away from all that would distract unto Jesus. Christians are being distracted because they're making it a political issue and forgetting it's a spiritual issue that's already been dealt with. That's right. Okay, and this wasn't what I was going to speak on this morning at all. But we're getting close to, to having to wrap it up already. Looking away from all that would distract. Any translation you have, like in mine in the King James, it says looking unto Jesus. Well, you have to look away from all that would distract unto Jesus. The author, the beginner, and finisher of our dependence, <laughs> our faith, who for the joy that was set before him. Is there joy for us right now? Are we functioning in joy? Is that joy the result of we're so loved by God and the fruit of the Holy Spirit in Galatians 5.22? Listen, the first effect of being loved by God is what? Joy. And my joy may be up and down, but one thing we have is settled peace with him. And he can't take that away. Okay? He can try and affect the experience through a lie, but we have settled peace with God. Not only settled peace with God, we have the God of peace. And no wonder our feet are shod in the midst of spiritual warfare, of which we are in right now, with a gospel of peace. And that's not you and I preaching and teaching peace to others. That's having our own walk established in peace. And in that peace, we go forward. We go forward as more than conquerors. In Christ. Okay. Who for the joy that was set before him, in Hebrews 12, do, endured the cross, despising the shame, not making the shame that would be the result of it the issue, but knowing that he would be set down on the right hand of the throne of God with you and I in him. That's our position. For consider him. Okay, Christians, don't consider the evil. Don't make a political issue something that's not spiritual when in reality it is. Okay? It's as simple as that. You're not fighting flat, blood and flesh in Ephesians 6, 12. 
You're fighting principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world. And you know what they want to do? They want to get you in a battle. And when you know about wrestling, and when you understand it, it is a close. He wants you out of your position experientially and getting you in a battle where you're wrestling face to face. You can check with Mike and others about wrestling. It's, it's so close contact, okay? And the loser in the Greek games, they had their eyes gouged out. They don't see any longer the truth about their victory because they get into a battle that they have no business getting into. Looking unto Jesus. Why? For consider him that endured such contradictions, listen to me, of sinners against himself. Listen, that whole thing, the whole world system, and God, I, and, and, and maybe we can get into it Wednesday or Friday, because I want to get into that positional truth about it, which is so, so huge, okay? Listen, those evil powers are anti-God, anti-Christ, and man's history reveals it, and you can see it even in the beginning of creation, in Genesis the first chapter, the second chapter, and by the time we get into the third chapter, listen, folks, there's only two men, two heads that we function in. It's the head of Adam, and I know in my own self, that head of Adam, which wants to manifest itself through the flesh in Romans 8, 9, that's in us, but we are not of it. And that's why I emphasize those two words, in, they're huge with meaning, and of, the flesh is in us, but we're not of it in Romans 8, 9. But we can function in it through a lie. And that whole head in Isaiah 1, 5, and 6 is sick. Meaning there's no sense in it. It's just disease, corruption. No wonder it says in Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. These God, godly Christians getting into a battle. <laughs> Who do you think you're slamming? Who do you think you're angry at? The people? My God. No. They're functioning in deception of a of a of a of Satan who's been defeated. He's been defeated. It's over for him. He's been defeated. It doesn't exist. The battle's over. The battle is over. That's right. Okay? Right? So, here it is again. Looking unto Jesus and consider him who endured such contradictions of sinners against himself. You think for one second that, that th this evil is against just you? It's not. You have Christ in you. And because you do, in 2 Timothy 3.12, all that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer what? Persecution. What's persecution a sign of? We're functioning in him. Okay, we're functioning in him. Where is Christ right now? He's seated in the glory. That's where he's seated, in glory. But, but what did he have to go through to get there? Suffering. Well, then why should we think it's strange in 1 Peter 4, 12, about the trial, like some strange thing happened to us? What makes us think that? I'll tell you. It's called nonsense thinking. 
It's called evil thinking. And then when we think that way, now we communicate that thought life with words. In Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister what? Grace to the hearers. Manifest and, and, and reveal grace to the hearers. So, for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be what? Wearied and faint in your minds. And that's your experience. Christians get weary and they faint in their minds because that position is not an experiential reality in Christ. And this is why positional truth is so very vital. That's that foundation in, in Matthew 16, 18 that Christ himself will lay. And that's 1 Corinthians 3, 10 and 11. We need to be careful how we build on that foundation. We think we can add to that foundation in the flesh? Absolutely not. Doesn't he make any sense? But soon, maybe uh, Wednesday or uh, or Friday, I want to get into man's day upon the earth. You know, we have a history. There's two worlds. Did you know that? There's a world system right now that you and I as Christians don't belong to. We belong to another whole world. Did you know that? We belong in another whole world. We're not even of the world. Listen, Jesus was not of this world system. Right? Do you remember what he told Peter when Peter took his sword and wanted to hack the, hack the head off? The guy ducked, he cut off his ear. You know what he told Peter? You know what he needs to tell us as Christians today? Put up your sword in Matthew 18, and uh, John 18, verse 11. This is the reason that I came. You don't do it by a battle. You don't do it that way. These Christians, my God, people that I've known for years, Ooh, <laughs> for years, and they're in this battle. <laughs> yeah, really? Well, listen, Prov uh, Proverbs 24, 21, meddle not with them that are given to change, okay? Thinking they're going to change something that's already been dealt with by God and his plan in eternity, <laughs> okay? Listen, we're not of this world. Christ wasn't in John 17, 14. Listen to me, and neither are you and I. In John 17, 16, we are not of, that's that word, of, nothing about our constitution in Christ has anything to do with this world system. We function in another whole world. That's oppositional truth. But if it doesn't enter into the experience, now we're in a battle with the flesh. And the only way you can do that is through the legalism. You know, when it talks about the law, you know, in Romans, the eighth chapter, in those first four verses, I'm not talking about the Ten Commandments. It's talking about the law of sin and death. Okay? You're getting in a battle with the law of sin and death. As a Christian, when you battle these political powers, <laughs> do you think for one second God's not aware? Do you think that that's going to change his plan that was predetermined in eternity? What do you think? No? And again, folks, again, again, folks, prophecy. Again, guys, prophecy, understand it. We, listen, have a more sure word of prophecy. 
but we need to understand it. And the Bible's filled with it. That's why we teach it again. The Bible is two-thirds prophetic. If you want to think about it, you know what the other third is? And if you, do the, if you, if you add it all up, does it have to do with Christ? All prophecy and the reality of who we are in Christ is that the whole Bible? Yes. That's the whole Bible. It's the, it's the whole Bible. It, uh, is the whole Bible too much for us? Is the, if God would give us the whole Bible, is it too much for us? Listen, listen, right now we need to have it. We need to be taught. We need to be taught. Otherwise, our experience won't be the equal of who we are in Christ and his position where he's seated at the right hand of the Father above everything. We can only have two heads. Did you know the Bible talks about it? You know, the Bible brings it out, scores and scores of things, about federal headship. You know, like there's a federal government, does that affect the whole country? Okay, we have, we have there's two heads, Adam, who's ruined and dead and gone, and then we have Christ. Our head, Christ, has settled our position. But now in our experience, can I go back to Adam's headship? Yes. And when I do, I'll get into a battle. I'll get into a battle. I'll start worrying. I'll start fearing. I'll start getting irritated. And because of that, listen to this, folks, because of that and not understanding prophecy, and not understanding the whole world system. You know, the world system just as evil here in Massachusetts as it is in Texas and Florida and any other place in the country. Did you know that? It's the same. It's the same. Federal headship will affect me no matter where I am, in Christ or in Adam. And when I don't function in Christ, and when I don't have a proper experience, there's where I start making my own plans. But, you know, does God have settled plans for us? Okay. Is Christ the Lamb slain before the foundation of the earth in Revelation 13, 8? Are the works finished from the foundation of the world in Hebrews 4, verse 3? How about Jeremiah 29, 11? Yeah, he's speaking to Israel. But that's, that he's speaking to Israel, but that's millennial reign. You know, he, where is heavenly people? And I can glean from Jeremiah 29, 11. I know, listen, the thoughts that I think towards you. The thoughts of peace and not evil. Christians, do you experience peace and not evil? What is your present experience right now? Listen, how about this one? Right where you are. Do you have to change a location to experience the peace that's yours right now? God says, I know the thoughts that I, and by the way, when it says in Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. God's full thought about you and I is Christ. That's it. Period. Because he's the word and a word is a communicator of the thoughts. Okay? Of thought. So, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. They are thoughts of peace and not evil so that you can experience, this is what it says in the Hebrew, my settled plans for you and to realize their final outcome. Is the final outcome already determined? Has Christ already dealt with that? You tell me. Read Romans 8, 31 to 39. All those things 
And are we in them? Yeah. But are we of them? No. Okay. If I have a bad day, am I of my bad day? <laughs> or am I of Christ? Right? We are in Christ. We are in Christ as our head. That's, that's, who's our, that's who our head is. And, we need, and we're going to learn that and we're going to see it. Even in all the types, listen to me, it is important to understand positional and experiential identification truths to have a proper image. And the heavenly Christ gave those to the Apostle Paul to give to us. Those are very important. But to not understand the types in the Old Covenant and not to understand prophecy and the prophetic calendar is to, that those things, if I don't know them, will confuse me and my experiential, my experiential reality in my position in Christ. That's why we have the whole Bible. That's why we're not, we're not hyper-dispensationalists. <laughs> yes, I believe in dispensations. Yes. But scores of scriptures we have. The scores of the scriptures that we have and the reality about who we are in Christ. And by the way, we're passing through. Okay? We're passing through. And if I'm heavenly minded, I keep my mind on him, okay, and not on things of the earth, will that keep me secure and safe in my experience? Listen, just as secure and safe and unchangeable as I am in my position in Christ. Without a doubt about it, that's who we are. We are in Christ Everything about that is immovable, it's immutable, and it's unchangeable, and it's glorious. And we're on our way to a glorious future that is, it, we can't even imagine the glory of it. And a lot of us have our loved ones already there. <laughs> yes, sirree, they're already there. And some of us are a lot further on to meeting him face to face than others. But I want to tell you one thing. We have it right now. We're more than conquerors right now because we have eternal life in us. In 1 John 5, 11, that life is Christ himself. We don't have to wait. 2 Timothy 2, 12, if we suffer with him, what does that mean? Righteously, not battling the flesh, not battling evil. If we suffer with him, listen to me, right now, we will reign with him right now. What does it mean to reign? It means to have a king who's reigning over us in a kingdom that evil can't touch. I don't know. Did evil ever stop Christ? Did it ever stop God? Did it ever interfere with his plan? Or does it just become a manifestation of the reality of his glorious plan? And it most certainly does. That's who we are in him. We're more than conquerors. The battle's the Lord's. Again, Exodus 14, 14. 14, 13, stand still. What does that mean? Get in the battle? No, stand still and watch the deliverance of God. The battle is the Lord's. Listen, he will fight for you. And if he fights for you, and he does, you will go forward in Exodus 14, verse 15. But if you don't, you're going to get back into a battle. You know, when, when we don't like the plan of God and we don't understand it experientially, we want to go back to certain places. We want to go back to certain things, just like Israel. 
I don't want to go forward in this battle, in this suffering. I'd rather go back into the bondage of Egypt, get back into the world system, and try and find some kind of a hiding place or something comforting. <laughs> you know what gives us proper comfort? Proper suffering. Doesn't come any other way, and that's in Christ. And let me tell you, he's for us. He's not against us in a single thing. He's for us in Romans 8.31. Amen? Amen.